I, uh, we've got a, a fun thing that happens once a year. It's a really good, healthy thing. But our teenagers get to go to Camp Decision, and that is happening this week. <laughs> Camp Decision. <laughs> Hank is the oldest one of our teenagers. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's a phenomenal camp. They, they, they really pour into them. Our kids' lives are really, really changed. And I'm looking forward to testimonies that we always hear from them, um, how God touches their lives. So I would like us to pray for them. Um, they're in this front row. Some of them were here today. And so won't you just, and Hank and Janine too, won't you, just, won't you guys stand with us? And, and then won't you, church, won't you pray with us for them? Father, we just thank you for these teens and for the lives that they represent, Lord, for the many, many people that they represent because their futures, they're going to be touched. And Lord, I know my life was changed at camps. My life was changed by the Holy Spirit in, in situations like this. And Father, thank you that their hearts are prepared even now, this today, for what's coming and starting tomorrow in their hearts. Thank you for radical testimonies in their lives and through their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. You guys are going to have a blast. I know this is so much fun. Amen. So um, I want to carry on. I've been talking about Grow, a series called Grow, and we've been talking about faith's foundations. And I'm going to jump right into Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings, and of, of laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. We've been, we've been talking about this because once every three years or so, I feel that it's, it's necessary for us to, to relay this and make sure that it's clear to everybody. There are some subjects that are super important in the Bible, and there's some subjects, there's a lot of subjects that people raise that aren't that important. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of apologetics that goes out, and, and, whether, and, and all, all, all of the word can, can help us, but there's stuff that, that's not really clear in the Bible. But there is stuff that is called foundations, and this is what the foundations are. It's super important to lay a solid foundation. You know that you can build two houses with the same builder and the same quality work with the same quality materials, but if you do not lay a foundation... On the one, that work will not last. It won't take long before the house, as nicely as, as with the same material, will be a little bit skew. Doors won't open, windows won't open, your shelves won't open. Why? Because the foundation hasn't been laid. We lay a foundation and our stuff gets added to our life. Things that there's a lot of doctrine that, we, that, that is good to, for us to know, but it's essential that we lay a solid foundation and that's so that's what we've been talking about and and, and these these are the essential things so i'm not going to rehash too much of what we've done before but i did want to say this you know it, it, it is a heart journey jesus and god looks at the heart this is this is not stuff that we do it is important that we guard and we protect our heart and that, that we understand that that this word that see generally is the word of god and and like letty said it goes into our hearts right that is essential there's there's we've spoken about this before we we, we live in a day and age where things are relative you heard that term before? Well, it's kind of relative. And, and there's actually a terminology called relativism. 
And, 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 and what's sad is that it's the, episode, it's the opposite of what absolute is. Something that absolute is never changing and is a for sure and you can take it to the bank. But when things become relative and when there's a move in the body of Christ to say things are relative. And they say, well, the word of God is kind of relative. It's not relative. There's things in the word of God that are absolute. And we have to be able to take the absolute things of the word of God. And we've got to understand the principle of seed time and harvest. Or like I heard Lisa say one, seed time and harvest. <laughs> we, there are things, we, we can't trick seed time and harvest. There are certain things that we have to put into our heart. And they, in time, they, the seed germinates, it grows and it produces fruit. If we want to experience life at its fullest, we have to understand that God's word is the seed. And, and Mark 4, and I'm not teaching about that today, but laying this little foundation. What, whatever gets taught from the word of God is seed that you and I have to put in our hearts. The depth of the soil and the parable of the soil is up to us. We have to water it and we have to grow it. And in time, it will produce fruit. We we can't escape that. We deceive ourselves, in fact, if we think, oh, I don't really need to do that. No, that's the way God has God instituted it. There, we have to sow the word into our lives. Do you know that church, all we can do here is Lake Haven, and, and Norman and I were talking about this this morning, all we can do here at Lake Haven as, as, as a pastor is we can point the way. All we can do is usher people into a personal relationship with Jesus. It's only in that wonderful relationship with Jesus that your heart and life has changed. You know, our overarching, our overarching goal is that we exist, that all people everywhere would intimately know God and experience his unconditional love. Jesus, John 17, 3 said that. He said, he said um, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, it's in relationship with God that our lives can be changed. It's only, I'm going to say it again, it's only in relationship with God that our lives are changed. And, and what, we, we, what we're endeavoring to do here is give tools, things like this foundation, things like life groups. And, and, and you know, I, I've, I've heard some wonderful testimonies of Norman and Linda and what's happening in their life group. Corin's doing Search for Significance group, things like that. And, and, and I know that there's some of you in Bible school, going through Bible school and laying a great foundation, getting that word established in you. That is, such, that is watering the seed in your heart. Amen. Things like well, overflow and, and what God is doing in and through his Holy Spirit are all part of this thing. But that is just the generalized quick view of where we're going to go. That's just where this message for today is going to go. So in the fifth part here, I want to talk, I, want to, I, I titled it Dead, Alive, and Energized. Because the next foundations we want to talk about are the, 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 what, what the, here in verse, um, in verse 1 of Hebrews 6, it says, uh, of instructions about washings or baptisms, other translations say, and the laying on of hands. And then next week, it goes for the last two, it's going to be the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, okay? So today, I want to talk about the baptisms. It, it, it's, it seems like, okay, if we just glance through this, why is the baptism such a big deal? 
Why should we know about the baptisms? Well, Scripture teaches basically three baptisms. There's actually one or two more that are a little unclear, but there's three basic baptisms mentioned in, in Scripture. And we have to understand what those three baptisms are. Amen? So let's look at it. The first baptize, um, well, let me just talk about baptism in itself. Baptize means what? Does it mean you can get a bowl of water and sprinkle you on you? No. The word baptize is a Greek word, baptizo, and it literally means to immerse, to go under. In fact, that was the terminology if a ship sank. It went under. So, so it is totally, it's an, it's an immersion. So that's what the word baptize is. So the instructions about baptism, we see three baptisms. And the first baptism um, we'll read about here, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given of one spirit to drink. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Um, or do you not know that as many of us were saved into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So just as Christ was raised from the, from the dead by the glory of the Father, so also... Uh, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So we see that there is a baptism into Christ. That happens when you believe. Everybody, when they choose to believe, they hear the good news of their salvation, and we've spoken about it in, this, in the last few weeks. When somebody hears the good news, they believe in the good news. The, the word of God says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's absolute. It's not relative. It's an absolute, okay? So, so we see that there is a baptism and the, and the Bible tells us, if we, if we study this out here, it says that we, we are baptized by who? The Holy Spirit actually baptiz baptizes us into Christ. And I wish we could spend a whole bunch of time going into this, but, but in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 particularly, and in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about actually 1, 2, and 3. It talks about being in Christ. The, the in him realities is, is what we've ever heard. We have been placed in Christ, and we have so much that we've been given into Christ. But you have, the first baptism is when you believe you are placed in Christ. Okay, so that's number one. But we're going to move along from that. So the second one is water baptism. Baptism in water. We see this in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we see this in the other one, in, in um, the other Great Commission in, in Mark 16, 16. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, it's to, uh, to, to break this all down, we see that there is a... a baptism in water that's actually commanded once you believe the requirement is once you believe you are to be baptized in water and this is not so that you can go to heaven okay i want you to be very clear otherwise the thief on the cross wouldn't have been there okay he had no time to get baptized 
And Jesus probably couldn't even spit that far. So, so it's probably, he, there is no ways that he could be baptized. There is, but, but the whole, it, it, there is an understanding about ceremony. There's a couple of ceremonies, not many. Look, we are not a very ceremonial culture. Well, but religion can be extremely ceremonial to the point of adding sort of a magical aspect to ceremony. And we've got to understand, because we're talking about certain ceremonies, one is communion or breaking of bread. It is a ceremony. Is it magical in itself? Well, some people believe it is, but it's not. It's understanding what's behind it. It's the same with water baptism. It is a ceremony. It's the same, actually, when we get to laying on of hands in a little while. There is a ceremonial aspect of this. But we know, because you guys come here faithfully, that we understand that, that we receive everything from God by grace, through faith. Jesus has given us everything. So by grace, through faith, we've been given everything. So what, what's the deal then? Do, if, I don't, if I don't have to be baptized in water to go to heaven, why get baptized? Because Jesus said so. Jesus said, Jesus said be baptized. We see it, we can go through many scriptures over here, but my, my goal is not today to teach extensively on water baptism. But there's lots of good scriptures, and we are happy to lead you in them. If you have not been baptized in water yet, and you have believed, you should be baptized in water. In, in there, there is this beautiful um, uh, teaching, and when I go through it in, 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 he, um, in Romans chapter 6, it goes into Romans 7, but in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, we've touched on it already here, um, and 4, do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just so as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, even so we should also walk in newness of life. You see, baptism in water is a ceremony that means something when you know what actually happened to you. Exactly. It's identifying what happened to you, what Jesus did for you when you believed. It's identifying that you in Christ died in Christ. See there? Therefore buried with him through baptism into death. It's identifying, you know what? It's, I'm going, and, and it's a public declaration, right? You telling the world, I have chosen who I'm going to be trusting in. I am declaring to the world in no unambiguous terminology who I believe in. Jesus isn't one of the ways to heaven. He is the only way. So identifying with his death. When there's an immersion and, and so when, when the preacher or whoever it is, the believer takes you and puts you under the water, you, when you understand that I am, I am symbolically, ceremonially, symbolically, I am identifying with what Jesus did when he died. Remember, Jesus took our sin. Remember, we went, we've already discussed all that. Jesus took all of our sin. He took all of our sin. He said he died with four and sin. But then he was raised in newness of life. It's identifying that when I, ra when I get raised up, when I come up of the water, I am living my life not as me as I used to be, but I've identified with me as in Jesus. All those in him realities that one can study. As I said, Ephesians, read, oh gosh. I, I, in fact, in your homework, go and take Ephesians and just a little highlighter and see how many times it says in him, through him, by him. 
in those three chapters, it is obvious these are the things that we get to experience in Christ. So, if you were baptized, if, if, you know, if somebody says, well, were you baptized? Well, if you were not a believer when you were baptized, baptism really has no point. If you said, well, I was sprinkled as a baby, pastor. Sorry, it, it didn't mean anything. I'm sorry you wanted to mean something, but that's not the point of the ceremony. The point of the ceremony is to identify with his death and being raised in newness of life. Amen. So listen to this in verse 5 of the same chapter. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. I'm reading NKJV, the New King James. Um, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, our old self, that's our old man. You know, the old man is not your dad. It's like, it's like our old man, our old self was crucified with him and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 11, jumping down a few verses, it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourself, or count yourselves, it says in the NIV, count yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. And, and in Romans, if you, you know, obviously we don't have the time to unpack the context here because the context starts right in the beginning of Romans and carries right through you know, past chapter into chapter 8 certainly and then it changes a little bit of gear but 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 this whole context is is not by works which we've discussed in chapter 4 but by faith in him we are identifying with him in this baptism in this new life in Jesus amen so we get to count ourselves dead to sin we identify with him do you know that when it comes to temptation and any every one of us are tempted Jesus was tempted you and I are tempted we are tempted by sin. And I'm sorry to say that the more spiritual you get, the temptation just changes. But when we consider ourselves dead to sin is where we start having victory over temptation. When we start identifying with our identity in Christ, that I am now the righteousness of Christ, that I was raised in newness of life, and that becomes my identity we find that we start yielding less to sin. Amen? Because we realize this is who I am. I have a new nature. I have a, new, new, a totally new nature. I mean, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come. But do we believe that? When you, when you water baptize and you identify with the new man in Christ... In verse 7, uh, sorry, chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, brethren for I speak to those who, who, who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? And then verse 4, therefore, I'm, I am jumping just to, to make this shorter. Therefore, brethren, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another to whom, to, sorry, to him who was raised from the dead that we should bear fruit to God. Do you know, in, we are taught that the strength of sin is in the law. The law 
gives people, it empowers sin. It says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin, and the power or strength of sin is in the law. The law empowers sin. When you, in other words, understand this. When you, if you followed me where we've spoken about faith, righteousness, we, we can't become righteous by keeping rules. And this is the context here. Anything, anything can be law if you are trying to do it to be righteous. The, if you're trying to keep the Old Testament Ten Commandments, or if you're trying to follow all the obscure you know, commandments, and you think that by keeping every single one of them, you're going to be righteous, you've created law into yourself. If you take the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke, and you've decided, that's how I'm going to be righteous, I'm going to keep every one of the Beatitudes that Jesus said. And every one of the things Jesus said, if you think that you can keep what Jesus told you, and be righteous by obedience, and earn righteousness by obedience to what Jesus told you, you're in law. Do you understand me very clearly? I'm not saying throw away what Jesus said. It's essential that we understand what Jesus said, but I cannot give a whole, I'm, I, I'm laying this foundation. We've got to understand what law is. Law is the attempt to try and be found righteous by keeping a set of rules. When you are trying to become righteous by keeping rules and not trusting in the finished work of Jesus, you have departed. That's when you have fallen from grace. You have fallen from grace because now you're trusting in your ability to keep the, the rules. You are trusting in your strength to keep the rules and not in the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. Only righteousness by faith. Only righteousness by faith. And that's why he's talking about here. He says the strength of their sin. So he, in Romans chapter 7, he's saying, listen, this is, we, have to count, we have to consider ourselves dead to the law. This is a foundation, people. This is not meat. I want you to understand that. This is not meat. This is the simple foundations of the New Testament believer. That we identify with the fact that we aren't, and listen, I didn't get this, guys. I didn't get this as a young believer. I was never taught that. Because I, I ended up in churchianity. And, and, and you know what? Churchianity killed me. I understand what Paul says in, in Romans 7 and 8. It says, it slew me, the, the law, because I try to keep the rules. I tried real hard, and, and you, if you've heard my testimony, when I, I was deployed as a medic in, in South Africa, and it was in that time that I became exhausted with trying to keep the rules so that I could be righteous. And, and, and I, I, got, I, I, I was exhausted. I was like, okay, Jesus, I don't know what else to do. I, I don't even know if you're around because I'm trying. I've done all of these things, and it wasn't changing me on the inside because, you see... <laughs> has to be the heart you have to change in your heart you have to believe you have to trust in Jesus for your salvation until he is the one that you're clinging to you're in dead works and we've touched we've touched on works so when we understand that by dying to the law dead to the law law being again I'm going to say it law being anything any rules that you think you have to keep does that, Shannon, are you saying that we delete any of the? No ways. No, 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 no ways. Jesus, everything he taught was for a reason, and we can study, and that, that takes a lot more than a Sunday morning. 
to get hold of. Come to Keith's class on Grow Grounded. <laughs> He'll tell you everything. <laughs> but we, we, we have to understand that, listen, you, in fact, if you go and read Galatians 5, it says that the works, we get the fruit of the Spirit and you get the works, dead works will lead to sin. All of those things will actually create sin. In any case, let's try and move along. Uh, Philippians, Philippians 3, and I just want to mention it because it's such a beautiful scripture. Paul, remember the apostle, he wrote two-thirds of the, well, I mean, he wrote by the Spirit of God, two-thirds of the New Testament. And in Paul's writings, he, he talks about, about how I'm throwing out this righteousness by faith, I mean, sorry, by works. He says, I have done it. I've been, the, you know, I've been the, from the tribe of Benjamin. I've got, I've got all the certificates. As far as being a Pharisee, I've kept the law to the dots and crosses. He says, I've done it all. He says, but I'm tossing that out as dog done. Literally, I'm tossing that out as dog done so that I can be found in this righteousness. And, and if you've never read it in the message translation, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. In fact, I want to jump in somewhere around verse 7 he's uh, I'm of the message I know that I never gave them this this back there but he says the very credentials these people are waving around as something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for and why because of Christ yes all things I once thought were so important to me are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung I didn't want some petty, uh, sorry, I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ. Listen to this. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Amen. So in, in verse 14 of Romans 6, again, we're talking about context here is baptism in water. So sin, listen to how powerful this is. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Listen to that. How do you want sin to not be your master? Because you are not under law, but under grace. And we see that grace is that essential thing. And we're not going to, again, this is not about teaching about grace and it's powerful Romans uh, sorry Titus 2 talks about how grace actually teaches us to say no to ungodliness it's a teacher grace is the teacher so it's not an excuse grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions but but it's so so we 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 are by nature this is a this is a little key thing if you struggled with any area of sin we are going to gravitate towards pleasure and we are going to move away from pain. You and me both, all of us. Anybody love living in pain? Any of you? Masochists out there? No one? Who loves living in pain? No, no, no one. You know, we are going to gravitate away from pain but and towards pleasure. And this is the problem though. When we believe that sin is pleasure... Because we've been lied to, a bill of goods, when we identify and think that sin is pleasure, and that church, and the Bible, and Keith's class on Saturday night is all pain, 
we're going to gravitate away from that. And we're going to gravitate towards the things that we think are going to cause pleasure. Except Jesus, who I think knows a thing or two about how the world works. Maybe. Anybody? Anybody identify? You think that God might know how that we could enjoy life? He gives us a set of ways to walk in. He says, listen, guys, I'm going to give you the inside track here. This is the way you're going to do it. But if we say, no, no, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to do it that way. I prefer this way. Then you are shutting out God's wisdom and his voice and way and saying, I know better than you, right? It's all relative. (laughs) This is pleasure for me. You know, it's only you weird ones that like getting pleasure from the things of God. I like the bottle and doing other things and drugs and pleasure and sleeping around, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to preach a holier-than-thou kind of self-righteousness. That's not the point over here. It's just that we will gravitate to what we think causes is our pleasure. But when we wake up and smell the coffee and we realize that sin is destructive and brings death in its path, and we actually work through, like, listen, what happens? And you actually sit through that. You find that, okay, I'm not going to dilly-dally with that. So in the previous scripture, again, it just said that sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but you are under grace. So, okay. Um, I, I, so with baptism, baptism into water identifies the dying of you to your old man. Because you have believed. And your old man, if we've, we've read it, we mentioned it before, 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? For if any man is in Christ, you're a believer. He is, the old has gone and the new has come. He's a new creature, right? So identifying with that, that's all, that's all it is. So if you've not been water baptized, one of the things I would like you to do is pray about this. Listen to this message again, and there is a lot more to say about that, but just write it on a card or or send us an email to the office or whatever it is, but we would love, we have a baptismal that we even warm the water up for you. So, I mean, you know, and, and we will baptize, and it's one of the greatest things that you can do. If, and you know what, you can, it's not the magic of getting in the water, people, but if you identify with what I'm talking about and you physically show that in the baptism, it can really affect your life. Is there magic in the water? Nope. Standard used to supply. <laughs> ask, uh, ask, ask Jim Fisk about that. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, you know, yeah, baptism is one of those beautiful things. And um, yeah, I've got stories that I could tell you, but one of them was being in Malawi. I know that I, Karen and I had gone to Malawi, and we were in a little village on the side of in Malawi. And we preached in this village. We took the Jesus film in this nation's language. And we, you know, there was a massive big baobab tree. I don't know if you know what baobabs are, but they can be really big trunk trees. And, and Karen and I were, were, were ministering there for, a, for a, almost a week, I think. And, we, and it was really remote. And, um, and the, I think in that whole village, when we preached, there was one little boy that wanted to be baptized. It was amazing. He, and, and I remember that to that day because it was so profound an experience to me that whenever I think about baptism, I think about that little boy and wonder where in the world, you know, <laughs> what has God done in his heart and life? But, so the third kind of baptism. So baptism into Christ is the first one. 
the baptism of water. Remember, even Philip goes and speaks to the, 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 the um, Ethiopian and, and he gets baptized after he believes, gets baptized in there. So, so again, lots, lots to say about that. But baptism in the Holy Spirit, what is the deal with baptism in the Holy Spirit? Now, I don't want to go again into a deep thing about baptism in the Holy Spirit, but suffice it to say, the present day ministry of the person and work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Jesus said, he spoke and taught his disciples. If you read John chapter 12 through John chapter 16 to John chapter 17, he spoke about this. He spoke about what the work of the Holy Spirit was going to be. He said, he, he was telling us all of what Jesus was going to accomplish or he, that he was going to send him. When he left, he would send the Holy Spirit would come and be with us. He was going to teach us and he was going to comfort us and he was going to remind us of all things, that he was going to energize us. In John 14, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 26, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that which I've said to you. Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. You will receive power, dunamis, that's, that's power, and you will be energized when, you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to see something over here. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not getting the Holy Spirit. There has been a lot of misteaching and people are like, oh, well, I just don't really know about that. So because I don't know about it, I'm just going to stick my fingers in my ears. Don't tell me anything about it. And sadly, sadly, the power is missing in people's lives and in the church because they don't understand or haven't sat down and been well taught in all of what this means. But the Holy Spirit doesn't come into you when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit when you believe. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.13, it says that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's like that, that, that old like seal that was on a scroll. God seals you with your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. So you want understand that baptism of the Holy Spirit is not talking about that. He's not talking about getting the Holy Spirit for the first time. In John 7, 37, it says this. Jesus was, was talking. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, listen to this, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus said that this, this he said that rivers of living water were going to flow out from your innermost being. That is a picture too, what I believe is the, un, the overflow of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons we call Wednesday night's overflow. It's, it's the overflowing of what's in your heart already. It's to come up and flow over into your part. And, and you, see, you, you, you see 
a lot of scripture in, in, the, in, in, in the book of Acts about how this happens, how it, it happens to the Gentiles. And all the, all the, all the uh, Jewish believers are like, what? God's given the Holy Spirit. It says well, the God's even given them to these Gentiles because it says they heard them speaking in other tongues. I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about other tongues, but it is an evidence that's commonly mentioned with being filled, overflowing, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in, in um, Luke 24, he said this, I'm going to go, when, he, when he's about to leave, he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. <laughs> Listen, people, clothed with power from on high. You and me both, we need the power from on high. If we're going to live this Christian life, the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. He's not on our statement of faith that you can go and check out on our website. He is the person of God. He is part of the Trinity that Jesus said in, in John 12, he said, and in 13, he said, it's better that I go away and that I can send you another, and you've heard me teach on this before, if you have another helper, an alos, another of the same kind, a helper that, that, that is going to be with you and dwell in you, be with you forever. There is so much about this wonderful gift, but that is the third baptism. That is the third baptism. So in this foundation, it's assuming, listen guys, this is just fundamentals again. Guys, teachings about baptism, and that he's referring to the three. You're born again, you're baptized into Christ. Two, you get baptized. That's why it's plural. Baptized in water. Third, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're in the right place. <laughs> and, and there's a lot to teach. I mean, I know there's a lot, there's a stunning. If you've come out of a denominational church and you think that you're going to be possessed and some, the Holy Spirit's going to jump on you, is going to grab your tongue and make you do something weird or fall over, you know, they, 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 I, I've heard so much weird stuff over the years about that, that, that it really is easy. If you, if you believe that the Bible is absolute, and you're willing to take what Jesus and the, and, the, and the Word of God teaches about it, there is great teaching that we can point you towards that will clear up a lot of this stuff. But we can't rush you into it. I'm, uh, you know, my, my testimony, I had been a denominational boy, man. Uh, I was in boarding school. You know that. But I, I, some guy took me to this little Assemblies of God church, and there was like 30 people in the church. They had rented this little building. It was an old in fact, it was an old little church that had boarded up windows and wood floors and creaky wood floors. It, they, this, they had no money, but this fiery pastor and his awesome wife were having church in this little building. And I was like, a friend of mine said, hey, you've got to go and check out this church on a Sunday night. And I was like, mm, you know, I'm looking weird. That was, you know. So we go to this little, this little assembly. And I've been, like I said, I grew up in church under the pews, mom and dad, you know, the whole denominational thing. So he goes into, go grabs to this, I'm like, there's just one guitar playing in the guitar, you know, this, just this experience. And after the service, this pastor and his wife jump on me like a chicken on a bug. And they say, and, and they say, and they say, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, 
dude, I hadn't even heard of that. It's just like, I mean, you know, I just heard it like in the end of the, uh, whatever you call the things, you know. What is the thing I'm looking for? <laughs> the word, I don't know. Um, doxology, thank you. Thank you, Warren knows the, the doxology. <laughs> in the doxologies and things like that, and I was like, uh, I don't know. So they grabbed me. No, fortunately, it was after the service. And they, they put me in this little room behind there. They sit me down in a chair and they pray for me. And I started praying in this, this weird language. I didn't, know, I didn't understand. And because I'm a little bit more of a thinker, I was like, there's something wrong with this, dude. You know, so, I, so it, it, put me, it put me on this path where I struggled with it, trying to get filled with the Holy Ghost for the next three years. Because I couldn't, it couldn't have been that easy. There's got to be other stuff to it, you know. And I didn't, but, but, but you know that it says that he gives you tongues as, as he gives you utterance. That you, he doesn't take your tongue and possess you. But that's what I thought, you know, that somebody was going to grab you down and do like the, you know, these, these movies, you know, where the possessed person gets slammed on the wall and picks up and then, and you know, you're going to become this robot for God, you know, because, you, you know, it's like you get, you're going to, you're going to get, he gives, you, you, I had the Spirit of God inside of me. But you know what changed? My life, looking back on it, that started a total radical change in my life because I certainly couldn't get enough of this little church that I didn't understand. I, I, was, like, I, I was like reading my Bible on my own. <laughs> like because I wanted to, not because somebody was telling me. And I was like, I, I, he was teaching about Revelation and I was like excited and, and my grades took a bit of a dive, which my one of my hostel masters said, I think you're taking this Jesus thing a little bit too far. You know, and, and, um, and but, but my, it was a radical transformation. The something happened, you know why? Because the Spirit of God came up from inside of me, gave me boldness, he changed my life around. I was writing things on my case. I'm a Jesus freak, whose freak are you? You know, you know, you, you know. <laughs> so, and I was in a boys' school, guys. I was in a boys' school. So I was like, if you think I took, I took flack, you know, I, but I didn't care. And that's what you see with people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Boldness comes on them. It's like, I don't care. I was about to say, I don't give a, but you guys are. <laughs> here in America, in the South, you, it's bad words. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't give a rip, thank you. That's what I was going to. Oh, sorry. But, but I tell you, but, and you know that it didn't happen to the apostles just once. If you think that they just had the, had a, the Spirit come on them, and it says, no, in chapter 4, in chapter, it happens in, in Acts chapter 2, and in Acts chapter 4, they get together and they pray because they are getting persecution. And it says that they all were filled with the Spirit, all were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God boldly. Power from on high, Jesus said, there is, again, so, there is so much to teach here, but let me just reassure you, this third baptism is, is powerful and it is necessary. And it's one of the reasons why we have overflow. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit or you don't know and you would like to learn, we can give you books. We have a good book of them, though. We've got a few good books that we can give you. Get into it. Soak into it. Get, get, lay hold of it. Be filled with it. Let, you, listen, Pentecostal churches can be legalistic about this stuff. It can just be legalism. It can just be dead stuff. That's not what Jesus, we, we need the, the real thing. We need the real deal. 
Amen. We need the gifts of the Spirit flowing into us. We need flowing into us and through us to build up and to edify the body. That's how it is part. That's what, is, what it's all about, is being, you and I have a, have a unique play to part, part to play in the body of Christ. You need, you have been given these, these wonderful things and gifts. So anyhow, moving right along. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to jump through and start talking about laying on of hands. So in a nutshell, as much as I could, that was the three baptisms. Laying on of hands. Now, what do they talk about laying on of hands? Laying, hand, laying on of hands, again, same thing. Does somebody have magical hands? No. Laying hand on of hands is not about a magical thing. Essentially, it's a ceremony. And we see it, again, just like like we've said about communion and water baptism, it is by grace through faith that we receive and we see it very specifically mentioned in scripture. And the laying on of hands is kind of, it's, it's what he's talking about here is personal ministry. We have, we've just, he's just spoken about baptisms. So if you understood where he's talking about, listen guys, that's how he was saved, identified, water baptized, empowered by the spirit. And here you are laying on of hands is personal ministry. It's encouraging you are the minister of God. Do you know that? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Not the pastor. I don't have the ministry of reconciliation. We all have the ministry of reconciliation. We all have the message of reconciliation too. Both of them are mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5. You have, we have a ministry. So it's talking about us doing the work of the ministry. I've mentioned Ephesians 4 so many times that, that that's the job of the fivefold ministry that we've seen there. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to bring believers to maturity so that they do the work of the ministry. And, and, and so in um, Mark, Let's uh, jump down to Mark 16. How about this? These signs shall accompany them who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Did we bring the snakes this morning? I was just, <laughs> sorry. So pass the, pass the snakes. No, we're not going to do that. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Personal ministry personal ministry so so we see this that laying on of hands is used in this scripture it, it talks about healing laying on of hands for healing is that the only way Jesus healed no is it the only way you and I are going to impart healing absolutely not not it's not going to be but it is again personal contact it is a it's it's a ceremony to inf by grace through faith we can lay hands on the sick but that's not the only way we did it. As I said, if you study the life of Jesus and how he did it, he did it almost differently every time he did it. So laying on of hands, again, it's not magical hands. It is everything we do is by grace through faith. And so we know that Jesus, we know that we, Jesus uh, taught us that we can, um, we, are, uh, we can do everything that he said. He says, the things that I do, you're going to do also, right? And more. That's right. <laughs> 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 
So, so you lay hands on to, people were laid on hands to, for healing. There was the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts 19.6. It says, and Paul laid his hands on them, and the Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So we see the laying on of hands is a point of contact as well. Do they need to do it? No. Let me tell you, I, when I got filled again with the Holy Ghost, I, I, I got, like I said, then I was filled in that little church. But I remember going to Bible school and not unless, because I had just not been well taught. And, and I got it by reading my Bible and just receiving it by faith on my own in my bedroom and having a good old time with me and the Holy Ghost. You don't need, you do not need somebody to lay hands on you. So ordination, Acts 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from, for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So we see that there was an ordination also with the laying on of hands. And then fourthly, we see that the impartation of gifts in 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God or stir up the gift in some translations or the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Let me tell you, Paul did not give Timothy a gift. Nobody can. God is the giver. The gifts are his. But the minister, by the laying on of hands, again, it's, ceremony, it's, it's, it's stirring up. It's, it's saying to them, listen, I'm releasing that gift in you. I'm imparting that, that gift that I recognize in you. So we see, again, there's a ceremonial thing about laying on of hands. In fact, when it talks about ceremony and things like that, it's Paul, um, um, you know, there's that scripture in Timothy as well. In 1 Timothy 5, it says, let no man, what, uh, how does it say, lay hands on no man suddenly or quickly, it hastily. If you study that out, all it's saying is it's not like, ooh, I'm going to get a demon if he lays his hands on me. That's a bunch of trash. You can't get a demon from, a, unless you want one, then maybe you can, but, but, but it's not because they're magical. It's laying on of where it says, it's actually saying, you don't go and lay ha your hands, Timothy, on any man suddenly. And what he's saying is like, don't go and just hastily give your approval to this person and hastily give your approval to this person. Oh, I'm going to send you out. Oh, I'm going to lay you. He's, that's, he says, don't do that. Don't be hasty in that. That's all that that scripture is saying, okay? So we, I know that we, we tend towards this magical kind of Christianity, which is not, no Christianity at all. So, yeah, it's not giving, it's not, so we see that, that it can be powerful, just like baptism can be powerful, if you identify what was happening in, in through the death, being dead, I am now dead to the law, I'm dead to sin, and, but I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus, same way, I can identify that when I'm going to step into this water. You know what I mean? That's faith. I believe that when I'm going to identify and tell the world, when I go under the water, that I'm, I'm not longer, I'm not trying to be righteous by my works or by the law. I'm going to be righteous in Jesus alone. There's a faith that identifies with that. It's no different with the laying on of hands. You can say in your heart, if you lay your hands on me, I will receive. There can be a point of contact. Is it because that person is special? No. No. Not at all. But it's personal ministry. Amen. Philemon's, uh, you know, one of the greatest personal ministries, I wanted to close in saying this. Philemon's 1.6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith 
so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. One of the most powerful, by far, personal ministry that you have. You have a unique ministry, and that's your testimony. And he says in Philemon 1 verse 6, he says that if you would be active in sharing your faith, it will help you know every good thing that is inside of you. you I, I, want to, I want to challenge you. Allow the Spirit of God, if you have never formulated a 10-minute, 5-minute, 1-minute testimony of your life, work on it. Get, become comfortable in sharing your story about what Jesus has done in your life. Because Revelation tells us that they overcame him, that's the evil, the evil one, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Testimonies are powerful, and I love when I hear testimonies. I want to have more testimonies over here. Bill, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but Bill came up to me after the service last week, and he gave me his, what's, what, what's been happening in his life, and it blessed me. Thank you, Bill, for, for sharing with what's happening. And, I, and it's, not, it's not only Bill, but I've, I, there's a number of few that have mentioned things to, to, to me before, and I'm like, those I would love for the congregation to hear. You have a testimony be active, allow that to, because it will bless others. Amen. So that, those are the foundations. The, the found, well, I mean, we're going to do the last two tomorrow, um, next week, but the baptism, <laughs> sorry, the, the three baptisms and, and, of course, the laying on of hands. So today, as we pray, if you have not experienced being baptized into Christ yet, You can be. We have prayer ministers here this morning and they would love to lead you to the Lord. It's a simple prayer. All you say is, Lord, I can't save myself. I need you. You're the one who paid for my sin. I believe in my heart that you, Father God, raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that you, O oh Lord, the word of God says, absolutely, you will be saved. That's as simple as it is. If you want to be baptized in water, please let one of us know. Write the office, put it on a card, and we will have a baptism service. It doesn't have to be in the building, but we like to do it in the building in front of this. And then, of course, if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit into the overflowing with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, please Please allow God to have his way in your life and become that which he has for you. And you, you can speak to one of our prayer ministers about this. Also, as I said, I know that this is a big focus of what I believe the Lord is speaking to us in our, and through our church, and that's what Overflow is about too. Amen. Father, I just thank you for every word spoken today. Thank you, Lord, that it strikes home that you hear what we each need to hear from this, that we are going to be grounded in these foundations, Father, that these are going to be just normal parts of our lives. We are not going to cast them aside and keep laying them over and over again. We're just going to build our lives so that our lives can be on a sure, secure foundation. In Jesus' name. This morning again, please, as we close the service, that's you. Please don't go home. Come and speak to one of our prayer ministers. We've got some awesome ones. Like Lisa can't wait to lay her hands, <laughs> lay her hands on you. <laughs> Dick and Mary and, and I'd, I'd say Steve and Lisa, all of them. So thank you. 
Otherwise, meditate on this, amen. Get our lives securely secure on that foundation. You got something to say there? Word and she, Lauren had a word and she she wanted to share it this morning, uh, specifically for someone, uh, for some uh, specific healing. So if this is you, um, please respond. Um, somebody is. God showed me someone's dealing with a respiratory condition. I don't know what it is, but I know it won't go away. Um, God already healed you. But you're, you keep asking for answers, and you're looking for something wrong because fear has convinced you that you're not healed. You can't feel his healing because you're not resting. And I'm going to go nurse on you for a second, so I'm, I wrote it down so I didn't go to nurse. <laughs> if you rest in him, your hormones, the ones that are causing this respiratory distress, will relax they'll come down and your lungs will align with God's word while you're resting and then God said you are safe and I don't know what that means for somebody for me that means a lot but for somebody you are safe thank you Lord as as you know we are a church that believes in the gifts of the spirit yes. exercises the gifts of the spirit as Pastor Shannon said already in overflow that's the sandbox and that's where a, a smaller group of people, they, they, they exercise that here in this room. Mm -hmm. But this morning, we just want to be obedient Amen. to that word. Uh, as, as Lauren stepped out in faith to share the word of knowledge that she had for that Amen. person. Thank Amen. you, Lauren. Appreciate that. If that is you this morning, please also just come and talk to one of our prayer cousins. And Lauren, stay nearby too, okay? You'll go. Amen. Is there anybody else? Did, did you have something, Lauren? Very good. Well, hallelujah. You are dismissed. We love you guys. For the spirit. Yes. Exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. As Pastor Shannon said already in Overflow, that's the sandbox. And that's where a, a smaller group of people, they, they, they exercise that here in this room. Mm -hmm. But this morning, we just want to be obedient Amen. to that word. Uh, as, as Lauren stepped out in faith to share the word of knowledge that she had for that Amen. person. Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate that. If that is you this morning, please also just come and talk to one of our prayer cousins. And Lauren, stay nearby too, okay? You'll go. Amen. Is there anybody else? Did, did you have something? Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, hallelujah. You are dismissed. We love you guys. Have a great day. Know that Jesus is enough for your situation. Amen.